Okay, so last week we actually laid the groundwork for what we're going to be talking about in a new mini-series we're starting today, and this series is called People. Everybody say People. People, right? We're going to be talking about people. And last week we talked about what it looks like to have our basic needs be met so that we can go out and fulfill what God has asked us to do, right? And we hit on the need for belonging and the need for community. And so we were talking about how important it is to have a support system around you so that you can feel empowered to go do the things God called you to do. So uh, in praying through this, we felt like the Lord was saying, let's make this a series. So we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about people and specifically what it looks like to bring heaven's ways in our relationships. So if you are um, familiar with our motto, that's our vision, that's our motto, bringing heaven's ways to earth. It comes from the Bible, uh, in case you didn't know. And, um, and we love this. This has been our mantra. It's been our, our rally cry for the last six years is bringing heaven's ways to earth on earth as it is in heaven, or what we like to say in Oklahoma City as it is in heaven, right? In Mustang as it is in heaven, in Yukon, all those places. And, and so what, it looks, what does it look like to bring the kingdom into our relationships? Now, not just our discipleship relationships, but all the relationships that we have. So we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about family, about uh, what do you do? Next week we're talking about what do you do when somebody sins against you? Like, if you have any good tips, let me know. Just kidding. Um, we're going to be talking about that next week. We're going to dive into when you have failure in your relationships, which all of us do. We're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about boundaries, all that great stuff as we head into the holiday season, which we all need. Thank you, Jesus. So, um, all right. So that's what we're doing. So here's my first, uh, well, let me say one more thing about last week as well. We talked about Luke chapter 6, verse 43. Remember, we talked about the fruit that comes out of you, that what's inside of you comes out. There's no way around that, right? That what we store up in ourselves is what's going to come out, and the Lord pays close attention to that. So that's going to come up again in today's message. So my first question for us this morning is this. How do we build meaningful relationships? Like, how do we build meaningful relationships that can stand the seasons of life? And I use the word build because, honestly, if you didn't have to work at it, we all would have so many meaningful relationships in our life, right? We would be surrounded by relationships that are so life-giving to us, but most of us, that's not the case. As soon as you're done with high school or college and you're not in a microcosm of having to have close connections with people, all of a sudden you think, well, I thought I was good at making friends. And now I'm like, where did all the people go? You guys remember that song, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? It's what went into my mind when I said that. I'm not going to sing it for you, but anyways. But that's what it's like, right? When we get out of the... the the groups, the classes, the sports, where we're forced against other people, now we have to figure out how do you have meaningful relationships? And the key here is we actually have to build them. We have to make an intention to have them. It doesn't happen naturally. Again, if it did, then you would already have more than you could keep up with. I don't think that's most of our reality. Maybe it's yours, it's not mine. I have to actually be intentional. So there's two things that we have to do to build meaningful relationships. The first one is we need to make sure we are having in our hearts a culture of honor, and we're going to talk about that today. And then the second thing is we have to let go of our mindsets that stand against relationships. Now, we touched on this last week when we talked about the lies that we believe about community. But I want to give you guys one other example. So this is like a scientific, this is a psychological thing. What we believe about ourselves is typically what we project onto other people. 
Okay, so then it becomes, I don't know if you're familiar with this phrase, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Has anybody heard that phrase before? A self-fulfilling prophecy is like that feeling of, oh, I knew that was going to happen, and that's what happened. So when we believe something about ourselves, we accidentally project that onto other people, and then they catch wind of it, they come into agreement with it, and then it fulfills itself, and none of it has anything to do with God. It's kind of how life works. So if I believe inherently about myself that I'm a burden, okay, let's just take a really popular one, right? I don't know why it's so popular, but so many people, this is what we think. I'm too much. My life is too chaotic. This, nobody would want to be up close and personal to this because this is just a lot. And so we have this inherent belief about ourselves. We're never saying this out loud because we know enough Christianese to know you're not supposed to admit that, right? But we think it. And so we think, oh, I'm such a burden. And then we get around someone and now all of a sudden we're thinking, I bet they think I'm a burden. I bet they think I'm too much. Oh my gosh, my life just went this way. I bet they're thinking I can't be a part of that anymore. And so then we withdraw as a preemptive strike against what we think is coming. And now we've fulfilled our prophecy that we are a burden. Nobody wants to be up close and personal in our lives. Is that too honest for you? <laughs> but it's true, right? It happens. Here's another one. Here's another um, really good example. Okay. Brace yourselves, because I think this probably hits the other half of us. It's this. I'm the odd one out. Like, sometimes this is true, okay? Especially for people like you who are on fire for Jesus, who you're curious about spiritual things. You want to see God be who he is today as he is in the Bible. Even if you're just trying to figure out what that looks like, there's some sort of curiosity in you. So when we get into settings where we're with people who that's not what they think, or let me put it this way. You're at a church that's vision is this thing, but deep inside of you, you're passionate about this. So we have this innate thinking, I'm the odd one out. Or, you know, I'm usually the one that's over here challenging everything, not a part of everything. When we believe that, guess what's going to happen? Now we're going to be looking for all the things we differ in instead of looking for a point of connection. Right? So the first thing we have to do to build good relationships is focus on a culture of honor. The second thing is we've got to focus on what we're believing about ourselves that's not accurate. It's not how God sees us. Why? Because otherwise, we're just going to continue this cycle forever. Okay? All right, so I told you guys last week, and if you weren't here, I'm sorry, I'm giving you a heads up now, um, that we're making space in our services to have some connection points. So here it comes. So buckle up, introverts, you're going to be okay. Um, we're going to take about two minutes, and I want you to answer this question to somebody next to you, okay? It's very simple. It's a two-part question. It's going to be up on the screen for you. The first part of the question is, how do I define honor? And the second part of the question is, how do I show honor? So it's sort of the same question, but I want you to turn to somebody next to you and just answer, how, what, what, what do I call honor? What is honor to me? And then what do I do if I'm showing someone honor? What is it that I'm doing? Does that make sense? All right, you've got two minutes on the clock. Go. All right. Now, if you don't know their name already, make sure you ask their name before you sit back down or before you get back in your seat. Okay, so I hope you guys have had a chance now to put some thought into what do I consider honor and how is it that I show honor to other people? Because this is what we've have, this is like the baseline. This is where we're going to start from, is understanding what we actually think so that we can move forward from that place, okay? All right, are we good? Awesome. Okay, we're going to keep going. So, in the Bible, there's a book called Genesis. You guys familiar with this? Yes, shocking. Yes, did you know God created the world? 
And when he created the earth, what happened was God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth has been created to be the place where we create creation off of the pattern of heaven. Does this make sense? So God established the heavens. He decided this is how things go. This is what we call his way or his righteousness, right? So God decides this is how we treat finances. This is how we treat people. This is how we treat animals. This is how, and we go down the list. He created the heavens. Then he made the earth then he made people, and so our job is to look into the heavens and pattern our life off of that. This is what Jesus is tapping into when he, when he gives us the instruction on how to pray, right? On earth as it is in heaven. In the Great Commission, go and teach them to obey how I've told you how to live life. That's the paraphrase. But that's what he's saying. There is a right way to do things, and if we can pattern that in what we do, we will have success in this life. We will have the blessed life, the peaceful life, the joyful life, all that kind of stuff. Amen? So our job is to make sure we're doing what God is doing in heaven. Okay? That the way we treat people, for example, is how God is treating people. Because that's the way those relationships will work well. Now, you've been given permission through free will, through a whole bunch of scriptures, to do whatever you want to do with your life. It's actually your choice, right? You get to decide if you're going to follow Jesus or not, if you want to follow part of his ways or some of them or all of them, etc. But the reality is there's only one way that leads to the abundant life, that leads to the blessing and to the peace that we're looking for. It's his way. So he gives you the option, hey, you can do whatever you want. But I'm showing you this is the right way. And on this path, though it may be narrow, though it may be specific and particular and mysterious at times, this is the path that comes with the unbridled part of my presence. Amen? So it's important for us to figure that out. So when we're talking about people, I think we need to make sure we're in line with what heaven thinks about people, what God, with, you know, how God has created the heavens. That's how we treat people. Now, John Ortberg wrote a book, and the title, I love this title. This is what it's called, okay? It came, it came out, I think, a year ago, 2018, so a little over a year ago. I'd like you better if you were more like me. That's the name of the book. Isn't that awesome? I'd like you better if you were more like me. And what he's doing in this book is tapping into a fundamental human nature thing that we like to be the same. And he says through a bunch of research and whatnot, his, his theory in this book is that what we do in relationships is we look for, or I look for the me in you. So when we're going about our relationships, I'm looking for the me in you. How much of us are the same? And then that's how close I'll let you be to me. Right? That's, that's his, I think this is like so true. It's so simple. It's one of those things like, wow, it's right in front of my face the whole time. As we go about our day, we're having conversations, what are we looking for, those points of connection? What are we looking for, how much? And then when we find somebody that's a lot like us, it's like, yes, jackpot, we will be best friends. <laughs> no, not yet? Okay, next week we'll find something else, where, and then we'll be best friends, right? And so, <laughs> I just think this is fascinating. I'd like you better if you were more like me. So this is how the world patterns it. And I don't mean the world like in a bad way. Things in the world are not always wrong. They're not always bad. They're just not always the highest perspective, right? right? So our natural inclination is to look for the me in you. But that's not how God treats people. How does God treat people? God looks for the Jesus in you. Right? Yeah. right? 
Because if you're not saved yet, this is what he's looking for. He's trying to get you saved so that you can have Jesus in you so he can relate to the Jesus in you and not the sin in you. But now that you are saved, he's relating to Jesus in you. This is why we have access to his presence, because we're not graded on our like, sinful nature, right? We're not discounted because of what we do or don't do. It has nothing to do with that. We are treated as co-heirs specifically because the co-heir resides in us, right? right? So he yeah. is the reason why we get access to everything in God. Right. So God is not looking for the me in you. Well, actually from God, he's the only one that could say that right? I'm looking for the me in you. What God is doing is he's looking for what Jesus is doing in you. And that's how he invites us to treat people as well. Where now I'm not looking for point of connection based on me and you. I'm looking for point of connection based on who has God made you to be. Essentially what we're talking about today is becoming a gold digger. The, thank you. Yes, the redefined gold digger. What are we doing? We're looking for the gold. Now, in our home, there's two shows that Grant loves, okay? He doesn't like a whole lot of TV. He'll just put up with what I want to watch. But if these two shows are on, this is what's on the TV. And the first one is Gold Rush. Anybody Gold Rush fans? A couple of you, okay? It's on Discovery. Uh, it's, it's probably more for the man crowd in the room, but, you know, some ladies might enjoy it as well. These guys, they go out into the weirdest conditions, and they move literal tons of earth because they are finding these flecks of gold that they're mining out of the ground. They spend so much money and so much time because they have a fundamental belief this gold is valuable. They're catching on to something that's a heavenly perspective, even though maybe in their lives it doesn't look so heavenly, heavenly most of the time. The other show, Grant has talked about this extensively. Thank you, David Parker, who introduced this to us. Uh, and, and some of you guys that are like hardcore fans now, it's The Curse of Oak Island, which premieres this week, okay? Uh, so anybody not know The Curse of Oak Island, never heard of it before, a couple of you. Okay, it's a show on Discovery, and it's these two brothers, and there's this, this legend of this treasure they think might be like the Knights Templar treasure that's hidden in the ground. These two men have spent millions of dollars in so much time moving the earth, trying to find this treasure. Why? Because they have a fundamental belief that it's in there. Time and time again, they're like ghosted, right? Like they get there and then it's nothing or they get there and then it's like a bone. It's not, it's not priceless or whatever. All this stuff, you'd have to watch like six seasons for me to catch you up on it, okay? Do it, says Grant, yeah. But there's something of God in this show and it's this. It's the driving force that I will find what I'm looking for because I know it's in there. That's how we need to be with people. I have to believe you are made in God's image. Otherwise, there's no hope for our relationship. I have to believe there's something of God in you. And I might have to move truckloads of dirt out of the way to find it. I may have to spend the next year coming through your life trying to find that one thing. But by golly, it's there and I will do it. So we don't give up the first time? No. Don't give up the first time. Right? 70 times 7, Wally. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but this is the reality, right? When we go through life thinking, I'm looking for the you and me, or the me and you, then we miss out on so much when what God is doing is he's going, I'm looking for what Jesus is doing in you. And if we'll focus on that, we can actually build relationships with people who are really different from us. So let's talk about honor for a, for a second. Let's give like some definitions of honor. Okay. 
Danny Silk wrote this incredible book called The Culture of Honor years ago. It's a great one if you've never read it. But he, I was listening to something of him recently, and he made this comment. He said, typically the people that we honor are people that we see ourselves in, but they're doing us better than we are. Okay? So I was in a, a, at a luncheon a couple years ago, and they were asking everybody to go around and share who your heroes are. And they said, because when you learn about who someone's hero is, you can typically get a picture of how you see yourself, like the type of ministry you want to have. Well, she didn't say that part when we were coming up with our list. So people are going around and saying, oh, Heidi Baker, or people who are doing anti-trafficking, or people, you know, and they got to me, and they're like, who are your heroes? And I was like, this is really embarrassing, okay? I was like, well, this one's not embarrassing. Number one on the list is Graham Cook, and he fans... Paula, okay, love him. I was like, and then I would add Queen Elizabeth I and George Washington. And I'm like, I have no military ambitions whatsoever, so I don't know what that speaks to my calling or whatever the question was, but those are the, my heroes, those are the people. But there's something about it where we see something in our heroes and we identify with it, but then we think, gosh, you're just so much better at it than me. And so we reserve honor for those type of people. But if we're honest about what honor is, what we're talking about with those type of people is really prestige and esteem. It's not actually honor. Biblical honor is not something that you earn. It has nothing to do with power dynamics. Biblical honor, uh, I think it's um, Danny Silk that says it like this, biblical honor is treating someone as Jesus treats them and also treating someone as you would treat Jesus. You bring that God component into it. Bill Johnson says it like this, that honor, true honor, is acknowledging who someone is and not stumbling over who they're not. I'll say that again. Acknowledging who someone is and not stumbling over who they're not. Because we're all really good at seeing what you're not. Right? But it takes a lot more effort, it takes a lot more of God to start seeing who are you in God's eyes. A couple other things about honor. Again, it's not flattery. Honor is not flattery. There's no power dynamic in it. It's not something you earn. Honor brings people into an experience and encounter with God. When someone doesn't deserve to be treated like a heavenly child, but we do that anyway, they get to experience who God is. I'm not talking about boundaries right now. We're going to cover that later. I'm not talking about you just give everyone direct access to your heart no matter what they've done. That's not what we're talking about. But it does go into how we view people, even people who have wronged us, even people who have not been the hands and feet of Jesus in our lives. It brings people into an encounter. The last thing about honor I want us to use as a definition is honor does not look at your past track record. It actually looks at how heaven sees you. So I'm not, uh, Danny Silk calls it this, like people have these aliases, right? If you're a constant failure in everything you do, you, you're, you're flaky, let's put it that way. Like if you just say you're going to do something and you never do, eventually everybody calls you flaky because that's like your alias, right? And so if we're going to be honoring, then we're not going to look at what you've been doing. We're going to look at how God has called you, what God has said about you, and that's where we're going to put our focus. Can you imagine how much more enjoyable the world would be if that's what we did? You know, like the, the unsayable P word, politics. How much more enjoyable would politics be if we chose honor? Like politics is a great example to see how are you doing with honor because if I'm looking for the me and you, then I can draw hard and fast lines over party lines, right? Because what do we do? We look at the candidate that we don't like depending on which side you are because both people hate each candidate. 
And, uh, and we go, wow, there's nothing of me in you. Therefore, I will not honor you. In fact, I feel justified in slandering you and treating you like dirt because there's nothing of me in you. But if that's what we do, and I know sometimes we fall into patterns like that, but if that's what we do, what we're doing is we will only honor what's like me. But that's not biblical. So when we're talking about politics, do we have to agree? Heck no. But we can extend honor. We can say, you are a human, and by nature of that, you are created in God's image. And so by nature of that, I can honor something in you. It's not flattery. It's not empty words. It's just saying, I'm going to focus on who God is in you. Guys, this is really, really hard. I just want to like pause. I think some of you guys are looking at me like, you've just asked me to walk across hot coals. Thank you, Rachel. No, I get it. It's really hard. There's a couple people in my life for long amounts of time, you know, like decades, that have been really hard for me to figure out how to honor and, and also figure out how to forgive because you think you're forgiving and you think you're forgiving and you just still feel so frustrated all the time. And the breakthrough for me came when I began to say, okay, I don't have to change our proximity of our relationship. I can change what's in my heart towards you. We're going to touch on this a lot more extensively when we talk about boundaries. But essentially what we're doing here is saying, by nature of the fact you're human, then God somehow loves you. I'm just being honest, right? That's how we feel with like the really hard people. We're going, how could you love them, God? Can't you see everything they're doing wrong? And the Lord's going, well, I'm looking for me in them. I'm looking for Jesus in them, and that's where I put my focus. I don't put my focus on all the junk, because I killed that. It's gone. So if we're going to treat people the way heaven treats people, then we got to take some steps down this direction. So how do we actually do this? Okay, Jim Baker says it like this. In the new covenant, life is not about right behaving. It's about right believing. Okay? In the new covenant, which we are all in when we're saved, we're no longer in the old covenant of all the laws, the Ten Commandments, all of that in the Old Testament. In the new covenant, it's not about what you do, it's about what you believe. It's not about how you behave and focusing on that, it's about what you think. How does this work? The old covenant was all external. There were so many rules. I mean, read Leviticus, okay? If you struggle with sleeping at night, you might consider putting Leviticus on the Bible app on, and uh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But it is interesting and also very labor-intensive to read through that book of the Bible. And so the old covenant is do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, and there's all these ramifications about that. In the new covenant, our responsibility now is to be true to the internal presence of God. So it's about how we think. It's about renewing our mind. It's about coming into alignment with him, and then our behavior flows from that place. That was always the case, but in the old covenant, there was no potential for that because Jesus had not paid for sins. Does that make sense? This was always the way that God was designing to be. I heard this recently. I thought this was really interesting. Is that when their suggestion was that God made the system of offerings one of the reasons so that he could remind himself that he was going to send Jesus and in that feeling of remembering, he could extend mercy for a little bit longer. I thought, that's really interesting. I don't know if I 100% believe with it, but it's a good way to think about it, right? That everything in the old covenant was, had a specific purpose, but Jesus fulfilled that purpose. And so now we're in a different way of living. Now we're not governed by external boundaries and external laws, although there are some that we should you know, do because they produce good fruit in us. But it's about what's happening internally in you. How do I know this? Well, we talked about this last week with Luke chapter 6. We talked about how Jesus was saying it's what's stored up in you comes out. 
It's the, uh, Proverbs tells us the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, that there's something about a spiritual principle that what's inside of you, what you actually think and believe, is how you behave. It, it flows that direction. What's interesting is we can focus on behavior modification. We can say, okay, I will not speak about people in this way. And we might have some success in that. But if we will renew our minds to what God has said about people, you will absolutely have success in how you handle people. Because that's the way it's designed to go from the inside out. Amen? So let's look at this scripture, Matthew 23, um, verse 26. And it's really interesting. Jesus, you guys know this scripture. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees where they're wanting behavior modification. They're obsessed with doing the right thing. And Jesus makes this statement. He says, you blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. It's a spiritual principle here. He said, you can focus on cleaning the outside, but the inside never gets clean. But if you actually wash the inside of a cup, the outside by nature of it gets clean. Why? Because the overflow of the soap and the water, you guys tracking with me? It's the same as what's happening in here. If we will renew our minds, come into alignment with who God is, our behavior flows out of that place. So how do we go through the culture of honor? How do we actually create that in our life? Well, it starts by believing the right things. Believing things about people that God believes about people. We're partnering with heaven. We're not partnering with the flesh. Amen? And when we discover that we're partnering with the flesh, then we back up and we repent. Like in my home recently, I definitely, we both definitely partnered with the flesh and had a conversation that was not life-giving to either one of us. And afterwards, I was thinking, wouldn't it be the case that here I am preparing to speak about honor, and it was so hard for me to give honor in that moment? Because we have to remember, we have to test, we have to practice, right? We have to renew our minds so that what flows out of us is the right behavior. Amen? Amen. All right, so if we're going to honor people, we're going to call them up. We're going to speak into them in that way. We're going we're gonna to look for what Jesus is doing in them. So I want to take a moment, and we're going to wait on the Lord for something. And I want you guys to ask the Holy Spirit, if you're comfortable with this. If you're not, that's okay. Um, you can just wait. But what I want to do is I want to take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit, what is a lie I'm believing about people? Maybe it's the nature of people. Maybe it's a certain person in your life. But God, what is a lie I'm believing about people? And then we're going to take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit to speak his truth. Because I think if we're going to be um, able to have good relationships, if we're going to build lasting relationships, then it starts by being able to see people accurately. Amen? All right, so we're just going to take a moment. Just close your eyes if that's helpful for you to stay focused. You don't have to. But Holy Spirit, would you just point out right now, what's a lie I'm believing about people? And if you start to hear something, you can write it down in your notes. You can take it, um, jot it down on a piece of paper. What's a lie I'm believing about people? Now, Holy Spirit, would you tell me, what is the truth about that lie? What is your perspective about that?
what's the truth that you want me to know about that? So Lord, we just do a divine exchange right now. Lord, we give you what we've been believing. God, we come in line with what you have declared, what you've said. Father, we ask that you would lead us and teach us how to have a renewed mind about people and about the relationships that are in our life. Because we want to do people, we want to do relationships with people like you do in heaven. We want to have a kingdom perspective in all of our friendships, our working relationships, and our families. In Jesus' name, amen. There's one last scripture I want to show you guys. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 10. I think it's interesting. This is, um, it's like a challenge to us. It's like, it's like a challenge from the Lord. And this is what it says. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So this means there's not a zero sum of how much honor is available. There's not like, I only have so much, so I have to be selective of who I give it to. This means that it's plentiful. You can give honor to everyone. You can choose to see everyone as Jesus sees them, even the worst of the worst. So here's my challenge to you guys. This week, pick one person to honor. Now, it might be something you say behind their back. It might not be anything you do to them, right? Maybe it's, it's a, if you've got a family member, for example, that's really difficult for you. Maybe it's talking to your spouse about it and just saying, listen, I'm going to choose to find something of God in them. And, and it's, it's something that's personal to you. Or maybe it's something that you go and do for someone else to help them. But I want you to remember what was your definition of honor when we started this message so that we can begin to expand and, and improve and um, redeem that version, right? It does not, even if it wasn't bad to begin with, but how can we continue to define honor as heaven does? Amen? All right, so the last thing we're going to do, um, and, and if you need prayer for anything, please stick around. We'll be up here. We'd love to pray for you, um, especially if you're like, wow, I need a lot of help honoring people. We'd love to pray for you as well. Um, but I just want to encourage you. Grant was feeling from the Lord this morning just a need to encourage one another, specifically through the prophetic. Um, and so I want to ask you guys before you go to just take a minute to wait on the Lord. Is there an encouragement that I could give to somebody else? It doesn't have to be profound. We're not saying I'm sending you to Djibouti to rescue all African people, you know. <laughs> It, I mean, maybe, but that's not necessarily the type of word we're going for. Uh, but just asking the Lord, what's something I can do to encourage somebody? And then, you know, here's what it looks like. Okay, this is so simple. Um, Hi, I'm Rachel. It's not rocket science, right? You just step up to them and say, hi, introduce yourself, and then say, this is what I feel like the Lord said for you. I'm being silly about it, but sometimes we get so overwhelmed with what somebody's going to think about what we're saying, and we just need to, like, left turn, don't be like that, right? Just be normal. Normal people hear from God. Normal people prophesy. So let me uh, pray for you guys. Lord, I just bless every person in here to be filled with your fruit, Lord, that from the inside out we would walk like you've called us to walk. Lord, I ask for every person in here that their relationships would blossom and that they would, um, yeah, they'd just be really powerful kingdom relationships. So, Lord, show us how to honor. Show us how to renew our mind about people and give us a prophetic word right now for someone else. In Jesus' name, amen.